Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I don't know if I believe in ghosts. I think there's something. Uh, one, two. One, two. Yeah. I think there's something I don't know what though but it could just be in people's heads hmm like they're projecting their own well just when you're tired and stuff and you know you kind of see things that are there but you kind of change them in your mind it's like when you see like a a photo of the moon and you think you see a face like in the Mm. rocks or whatever if you know what I mean yeah 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 I can't remember or the uncanny valley thing of like somewhere like you see a plug and it looks like a little face but it's like what at what point on the scale does that land but then you think it could all be electrical signals anyway so just so like this l- seems leftover energy when it comes to ghosts and stuff maybe well it just like this feels like okay that's a table that's a mug this is quite stonery but like it's like like you say when you get tired and it all gets distorted and everything you're, you're starting to see everything differently it's like well that's just was the thing before like the most clear or is you're processing the signals like differently like they're coming through like what if the tired way is the way all the time or like like dreams don't make sense to me either and there's so little knowledge on them like that they're meant to be processing your daily life but then why why do so many people think that they've imagined stuff they've not seen yeah but is it then your daily life kind of filtered through your personality and imagination and because we're thinking when we say daily life we're thinking about it as in you know we get up and we eat breakfast but it could also be all the thoughts that you have in a day and all, all the, the kind of things stuff. that you you imagine like daydreams as well if you know mm. what i mean or like when you or you're about to go to sleep and you hear like chatter that isn't like coherent do you ever get that where you, like you're hearing yourself say things that yeah, don't make sense yeah, yeah. it's like when you're when you're waking up as well and you can't work out if you're sleeping or if you're awake and mm. you're kind of in that in between kind of you know rising up but it's like if all that's happening then yeah how, how much can we trust of like what i don't know I guess it's just trusting if other people around you are like, oh, I see that mug as well. That's all That's all it is, is just trusting what other people are seeing. Yeah, well, it's like people who have insomnia as well. Like what we're saying there about things kind of being contorted, like when you're on that lack of sleep, everything just starts to get a bit funky. Yeah, yeah, I had that in February. It was just, it yeah. wasn't like as bad as some people I've known, but it was like, it really messed me up. Like just couldn't. How long did you have it for? It's like a month or? About, yeah. About that and it wasn't crazy bad but it was like enough to make me like not not oh, you, good you lose your mind yeah yeah i mean i had it last november oh, yeah that's an ice cream van <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i had it last november kind of end of october into start of december and you just by the end of it <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't hear any ice cream man. <laughs> it's in your mind. Yeah, by the end of it, you just completely, you've lost it. Like, because you're just in such a lack of sleep. Your mind just can't function in the way that it's supposed to. 
Yeah, and then I don't know if you found that the less you sleep, you're so exhausted during the day, and then you get into the habit of going on the pillow, and and your your heart's beating so fast, and you're so awake, and it's a very eerie thing of like you need to sleep, but you this can't, the, and you just can't. It's like why am I like it doesn't make any sense. Sets you up to be more alert. Really strange. Yeah, were you writing at all during that period, or no? No, I'd actually written it um way earlier so i'd i think i started writing like 2019 wow um it was kind of after me and chris did the slow weather stuff came, had come back from london and was, it was that around on, the same time you did the ep as well uh or it came out in 2019 didn't it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah my ep came out then um yeah, I, I had an EP of my own stuff that came out then. Yeah. And then we went to go record uh, Clean Living, uh, the Slow Weather EP. And then after that, it was kind of like, oh, cool, here's a space to just start writing something that does not exist. Like, I always kind of knew I wanted to do a second album. That's always been on my list of, like, want to accomplish that. But I, I had no real framework for what it would look like. And, um, yeah, after that, it was, like, quite an inspiring and also stressful time. So that just led to, like, oh, I'm going to write some cool new new things that don't need to sound like anything you know it's interesting too because i remember reading that 10 of the songs came before covid yeah whereas there's a yeah. lot you can now kind of draw a lot of maybe not parallels but you can hear certain lyrics that you think oh this feels like it is quite related to what we've gone through in the last year that is one of the first things i thought was oh no people are going to hear cocoon <laughs> and just think that i've written this very obvious song about like blank walls staring at me it's like it's it was yeah it came from I was already feeling a bit just a little bit isolated at times and a little bit kind of where am I going next with things and I was tutoring a lot out of the flat like tutoring singing and that was really lovely and I really like my students but you don't see a lot of folk if you're in the flat yeah, working yeah, yeah. from home so it was starting to be a bit not what I was used to with retail jobs, um, starting to get to me a little bit. So I think a lot of the songs actually came out of that and I wrote them in the flat as well, which added to that. And then the pandemic happened. So that was a weird turn of events. Did that experience of starting to feel those feelings of isolation before COVID make it easier or harder when the, uh, the lockdown hit? Well, it's a good question because at times I felt just so unprepared like worse just like all my usual kind of neurotic tendencies they were just kind of like heightened by the uncertainty and feeling a bit trapped but yeah maybe in a way um until the second lockdown that really knocked me out but the first one almost felt like okay maybe I can get through this like once I got over the the kind of idea of this is going to go on for a long time I accepted it deep down and then kind of that made it a lot easier so so maybe in a way that that did kind of help I'm not like a super extroverted person either so I feel really bad for folk who they really feel um like regenerated with lots of people around them like for they were deprived of that and I was also lucky to be with my partner you know folk that were on their own like it, it, it was hard for everyone in lots of different ways but I really feel for folk who, who were getting through that just like isolated by themselves oh yeah for sure like you can't I think you were you were allowed in some capacity to kind of go and see people if you were on your own. yeah yeah and it was different be... stages at different points wasn't it it was like some like following all the rules and just making sure that each stage you were kind of trying to loosely like do what was um what was mandated but yeah I guess it was just a really strange time wasn't it and it's funny like you'd think that 
the best thing to do is just sort of just move on just don't pretend it didn't happen but in a way it is is going to be there and I think it's maybe healthy to kind of not dwell on it all the time but just remember it happened so you can process it you know and you need to try and learn from it or else it would feel like a wasted experience exactly that if you don't have any reflection or any growth and like what was the point of it what was the point of all of it you know a fallow year hey <laughs> i wrote that before i ah oh, this is what's what, so annoying what was the one song that came <laughs> after that came during the pandemic can you guess it That'd i thought it was going to be fallow year to be honest it makes a lot of sense doesn't it but no genuinely not it was um it was a song called valley okay. um which isn't very it's quite escapist sounding. though yeah it was a it was sort of based on a memory and you know sometimes the songs are like patchworks of different things it's not like this song is literally just about that sometimes it can be remembering one memory and then combining it with something that's come to me like a like revelation or just an imagined thing valley's like a mix of all those things it's more just like a feeling um but yeah uh it's a feeling but also remembering all the traveling I used to do like lots of gigs and lots of uh, valleys and scenery and, and yeah a lot of that's in it as well. Is it the the song that has the line about um, swimming in the past as well? Um, no I think that's a collector um, and I think that collector I'm I'm quite proud of the way that turned out and I know that the folk who worked on it um, they, they quite like it as well I think Chris quite likes it um, because it just feels, I don't know, like it just, everything came together, like the strings and the band playing, and in a way it's quite uh, open and sparse, but also the, the quite long and big as well. It's like, it's like yeah. six minute songs. So it's like, um, yeah, I quite like that one. I think other songs I hear, and it's that classic thing, I, there's still stuff I could have done better, and it's, I can still hear the flaws, but. But as long as you did what was the best you could have done at that point in time. No, that's, that is a really good point. It's remembering that, yeah we kind of got that done during a pandemic you know again within the restrictions um but we did achieve that during a quite a tricky time so that yeah thanks for that that's that's a good point when did you record because the last time we spoke was october last year maybe what what shape was the kind of record in at that point so by that point um all the songs had been finished and i was really lucky enough to get uh funding through creative scotland which just really unlocked a lot of um possibilities um it meant that we could record primarily at chem 19 studios very good studio yeah like intimidatingly nice uh, <laughs> really nice kitchen as well um that's what you want you want a good kitchen you want a good base <laughs> yeah it felt like it was it was gonna happen and yeah we recorded a lot of the core stuff in October so that was like the drums and bass and a lot of the lead vocals um and then all in one day like most of the strings which is just thinking That's about crazy. it <laughs> it was yeah it was it was a day or maybe a day and a half for like pretty much most of the strings um the thing is with the strings is that they quite often take on different roles in each song so in some songs they are these kind of swells that elevate what you're doing and in other songs it's more of a call and response thing how clear an idea did you have of the role that you wanted the strings to play in each song when you bring them in to work on it for a day? How mapped out do you have it? So really, uh, Rona McFarlane, who's also an amazing uh, singer-songwriter in her own right, she is responsible for like arranging those strings. And uh, Rachel is also great. She did cello, but uh, Rona 
arranged and played all the strings that you hear. Um, so it was a case of I knew which songs I wanted to have strings on. I knew the kind of atmosphere and mood I wanted created in each track. So, you know, a lot of references for that. Um, a lot of songs I liked that had strings, but also, you know, like Chris would bring forward some stuff like Serge Gainsbourg strings or... Very nice. Or he, you know, he loves Beck's Sea Change album, which has some beautiful string arrangements on it. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd work out at what point I wanted to bring the strings in. Uh, for example, if you listen to Collector, it's like you have them and then they drop out and then you have them again as this riff that returns and then other ones, they don't show up for for ages. I think Tropic, it takes a while for them to really kick off and it just kind of leans into it. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I did have a plan, but I would not have been able to arrange those strings. Like it was Rona that had the expertise and the knowledge and just she worked really hard on drafting loads of stuff and then we'd go into the studio and uh, Chris was really good at getting the best performance so making sure it was played as well as it could be but also you know like editing a little bit so what well, that part maybe doesn't work quite well there now we have the band let's try this differently and again that's extra credit to Rona because she just went with it like she like I don't know if it's a classical background thing but there was no grumbling there was no like oh you want me to do it again it, like she was total pro like just did it no complaining like worked so super hard in such a short space of time um so that was quite inspiring actually because I can I can have many breakdowns where I'm just like, I can't play. But she like, yeah, I'm I'm really proud of the strings on it. I'm really glad we got those. I think that's the thing with this album as well. And we've kind of touched upon it a little bit is that it feels like you've built a really strong team around you with Chris and Rona. And we mentioned Juan as well, I think. Again, Chris is responsible for for pretty much most of that. I, I brought in Jack and Gavin who play with uh, Kitty and um, we're in Harry and the Hendersons and bands like that. Really great musicians. But yeah. Chris knew Wand from other things and had worked with Rona before and Connor did Pale Steel, you know, again, had worked with Chris, so was lucky that Chris brought some great guys on board um, and it meant that I wasn't worried about, you know, are we going to have folk that aren't going to get it or, or just, you kind of know that they're going to do a good job. It's more about getting it as close to what you had in, in mind as possible. How long does it take you to feel comfortable with someone like that in the in the creative space in the studio space um weirdly doesn't take me that long I mean maybe we got really lucky maybe it's because I like everyone (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely think everyone's really was really easy to get on with and and really chilled out um but maybe there is something about me where if I sit down with one other person I'm a lot more comfortable but if, if I was to walk into a room with 10 people or even less, to be honest, you know what, like maybe six or seven, like I start to freak out. I don't know if I start to like go well, more into myself. Especially or, if you are the kind of center of attention, it's your record. Oh yeah, it's just, it's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. So it, so in a way we didn't have everyone in at the same time, all big life. You know, it was like structured, you know, we'd have Gavin and Jack one day and we'd have like Wan doing his keys another day and... Uh, I guess that also kind of allows everyone their individual space to shine like because you can focus on people's individual parts more easily that way yeah definitely um and there was a lot of um honing in this in the studio especially for the drums and bass where chris chris really likes to get the the core right to begin with um we don't agree on everything all the time by the way there's times where you know (laughs) like i maybe would have gone a different way but 
he's the producer there like that's his job and you have to kind of go with that um and you can end up with something better than you imagined if you trust that producer um but yeah a lot of time on just crafting the bass and drums making sure they were solid and like just felt really big um and uh yeah so that that was that was sorted um i'm trying to remember what the question is yeah i think i'm like forgetting what we're talking about i can't about. remember either <laughs> well i was gonna ask though how did the dynamic with chris compare on this project to slow weather like when you're involved directly as collaborators to the the artist producer relationship is it similar because you've worked together previously yeah there were some similarities um when it works really really well it can almost feel like you're just speaking the same language and you know if if it's going well in an evening chris is so productive and if if the like the atmosphere is just what you need like he can just create loads of different parts really really quickly and it just flows it's just and, and you listen back the next day and you're like wow it really captured something um but you're not going to have a good day every single day so there were times where it was so difficult slow weather felt easier because a i wasn't producing and playing on everything like grizz was but also it was this is my baby you know these are my songs and for some stuff to change and evolve or also to to get to points where you realize I'm not playing this part well enough or this vocal maybe needs to change and I'm not willing to do that. Um, those are moments where you have to decide, is this a, a personal thing where I'm, I'm just getting caught up in my own ego and I can't let go of it or actually, oh, I have a vision for this and I kind of need to stick with this. There's a, there's a lot of back and forth in your head and making sure that you're following the right path. And we got there, but oh my God, sometimes it was really difficult. And I think after not really gigging, not really recording for so long, it was even more difficult being around people and um, just doing a lot of work in a concentrated amount of time. But when it when it went well, it's magic. Like that's why you that's why it's worth doing because you just feel like you you are creating something that literally didn't exist, like uh, sonically. And um, if you're pushing yourself and you're challenging yourself like that's kind of the whole point otherwise you're just never going to move forward and you're never going to um improve on what you already do well that's interesting too because when we look at this album in comparison to your first record were there any certain ideas or aspects of it that you wanted to return to and kind of explore further i wanted that full band sound uh i've worked on other things like i did a much more acoustic ep with chris called spectral that is way more bare no drums i wanted to return to a full band sound because i think that's what the songs needed but in a way i didn't want to just recreate what i did on that album i think in some ways maybe there are elements of that album that were i don't want to use the word better but maybe there are elements on that first album that were strong but but i didn't want to just recreate it i wanted to bring in new influences that i have and you know, I'd listened to production by folk like uh, Kate LeBon, Alice Harding, and I'm not super fans in that I can't name every single song, but I'm I'm big fans of them. And I just would hear the way they'd write and produce and be like, that's really distinctive and unusual. And I, I wanted to just try and push myself. And I don't think I've come close to what I could have achieved in that area, but I know that I've written ways that, in ways that I wouldn't normally have approached. Um, and you've taken steps forward. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> because like when you then, if you were to look to return to that on a, another album, you then build upon it further. You know what I mean? 
yeah exactly and I don't I don't know where I'm going after this I, I always had the second album in my head so in a weird way if if that's what I do that's what I've done and I'm not going to feel regret if I don't do any more but you're right it's um it's a good milestone to have achieved things that I've, I've, I've wanted to do for a long time like I've wanted to wear it with strings for so long um because they're just so moving and beautiful and like you say they can be such a different character on each track uh you can really use them in such creative ways and um it can make a song that sounds very simple and kind of you know maybe slightly uninteresting it can really elevate it in so many ways but then how do you ensure that you're not using them as a crutch at any point? Like, do you have to get the song to that point of strength first before you bring them in? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think that's why they came They came later in the Chem 19 sessions. Like, this was before we went to Green Door in November. But that's why the songs, I would, I would go over the songs um, so much to make sure that I was happy with them. It wasn't like with other things I've written where sometimes the songs would just come out fully formed and I was like, I'm happy with that, it feels right. There were some songs on this like Cocoon, oh my word, that nearly didn't go on the album. That it still feels very organic though. Like, it doesn't <laughs> feel like something that's kind of been laboured over and torn through and through. It very much feels like something that kind of just unfolds. Good, because it was. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm so pleased though. Like, there were so many things about Cocoon that again, it's almost like a trial trial and tribulations thing of it's the the work was worth it um a it didn't nearly go on and and b it just took me so long to get it right and so long to write it and it used to be double tempo and and i changed all the lyrics so many times and but yeah it got to that point of when it feels organic um counterintuitively when it feels organic and natural and everything even after all that work that's the point it's ready you want it to sound as fresh and new as possible and there was something Chris did in the mix that just completely flipped it into like, this might be one of my favourite songs now on this album. How did that happen? <laughs> and you just think this is what's so cool about writing and recording is it's um, it can be so unpredictable. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good. Did you learn anything? You know, we were talking about how there was a slight, and to the sister, the Spectral EP, and that they were very stripped back and you wanted this to be more full band. But did you learn anything from that EP in terms of keeping these songs to feel more organic? Yeah, it's like knowing when to do it. And there are times maybe on this album where it could have maybe even gone more organic. Uh, but it's not being afraid of laying things bare, if that's what the song demands. Um, it's all about following the song and what will do the song justice. And that takes years of of failing and years of like kind of getting it right to, to have an instinct for, for when that's appropriate. Um, I think, for example, the track Soho, I knew that was going to be piano and strings. I knew that for a long time and I didn't think it made sense to add anything else because it's very much telling the story and I wanted the lyrics to really be at the forefront. Um, so that felt right in the end. What is your relationship to, to Soho as a place? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, it, I sometimes struggle to talk about songs because they can be a amalgam of different things. But... Um, I I went to Soho when I was in London with Chris. Um, to Chris wasn't there, but I uh, 
I went to see the the Eurovision going on nice because it was in May <laughs> and I was like you know what that'd be quite fun I normally watch it with my family and kind of just get drunk and and have a good time watching it so why don't we actually seek it out um, I don't think I've ever watched Eurovision <laughs> was that the year we got zero points though <laughs> um it could well have been we we get close to zero points every year so we're really uh 68 and being the most hated country in in Europe <laughs> damn right <laughs> that's, that's how it should be to be honest with the uh, cocoon as well it feels like quite a questioning opening i mean literally you are asking questions in that song what do you feel were some of the big questions you were trying to ask and find answers to with this record probably um questions that i've been asking myself for a long time but also more positive questions as well. I can I can tend to fall into a much more pessimistic um, approach to thinking about things. But, you know, it's the usual things of um, purpose and anxiety and, and that kind of... It can lead to inertia where you just feel like you, you can't go anywhere. Like, and then... But there's also questions about, okay, well, if that's the case, then there must be some kind of purpose there must be some path and even if it's not the path you thought it was going to be five ten years ago what are the new paths now um or just taking stock of quieter camera moments as well and it's very easy to attach loads of meaning to the most visceral scary upsetting experiences because they are so intense but it's also when you get a little bit older you you do kind of appreciate the the camera moments as well because you can get a lot of clarity there and um i think some of the tracks you know fallow years literally just me repeating a refrain over and over because the more i'd repeat it the more i found found meaning in it i think it's almost like in um it feels like it ties into the phrase too though because this idea of a fallow year where nothing you know really happens it's this idea of repetition every day being the same yeah exactly and and it's it's not an upsetting song or, or like a you know depressing thing it's it's quite a sweet sweet melody it's quite bittersweet and it's quite um comforting and there can be good and bad in that you know and it reminded me of on the slow weather track clean living um i think i did the exact same thing i'm using the same trope if i i repeated the pattern um i think it was how did i that this happened to us or it was something along those yeah, lines yeah, yeah. and i think the more we repeated it the more that it gave that that meaning and I, I want the listener to to get whatever meaning they want from that that's what it should be it's kind of different too though because in the clean living it very much builds and builds and builds as you're repeating it whereas on failure it kind of remains intimate the whole way throughout to a certain extent yeah and i think that was a natural way to end the album because there are points in the album that do get quite um expansive but i needed it to just almost end like a whisper i just always had that in my head i wanted to just fade out without fanfare and also without any kind of intense ballady emotional thing like I wanted it to just be very very plain very understated um and I remember when we were recording Fallow Year is exactly what you were saying about oh I thought it was about the pandemic because when I was sitting in the studio I'm remembering this now it's all coming back to me um I remember kind of almost kind of crying a little bit and like nearly crying because it meant something really different to me than it did when I wrote it um obviously was that at the end of the process too no this was at the end of close to the end 
of the Chem 19 sessions before Green Door. But I was very tired at this point. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> really tired, really like, are we going to get this done in the time we have? I don't know. The guitar, I think, was one or two takes and the vocal for that is a guide track. So if it sounds rough, it's because it is rough, that song. Um, but again, it's like deciding to leave it. You know, some people might listen and go, that could have been recorded or played better. And they're probably right. Um, but to me, it felt, uh, natural and felt like it's just what it needed so what part of the recording process felt like the most emotionally intense <laughs> uh, when I got to the studio piano and the keys were so heavy I couldn't play it <laughs> that was a bad a bad point um, and that led to shouldn't be saying this in a podcast I'm <laughs> revealing too much about this process but Juan uh, god bless him like learned the piano parts and played them well he is it tracks one seven and eight I think he's credited yeah on. and then yeah. Soho I play that but Juan's helping work the pedal <laughs> for that one because I I was playing these songs and albeit not like perfectly you're the best but I there was this particularly robust old piano that needed tuned as well we had to get a a guy in to come and tune it mid session. Is this a mountain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in a way, it's like it ended up with Wan playing them, and Wan's a fantastic uh, player. So it it could have gone a lot worse, you know. Like it, sometimes the disasters can lead to lovely moments where it actually worked out okay. Yeah. What was the the role of Grindor in the process then? Too. What did you go there and do afterwards? So we um we did a lot of the overdubs there. Uh, a lot of backing vocals which I really enjoy backing vocals because you can just really have fun with it and layer things up and the hard work's kind of done at that point as well I guess too really yeah yeah I I wanted to make sure the songs were layered enough like I still had this huge list of things I wanted to get through like I just made this big chart and I was like we need to get guitar here and I want to get more keys here and let's get more synth there um but yeah it Ultimately, like if you don't get that little bit of synth in that particular song, the world hasn't ended. Uh, but yeah, um, Green Door was about backing vocals and little bits of guitar and uh, just, I think it was pedal steel as well. Those were the main things. Yeah. When you listen to the narrative to these songs too, do you feel like it's more about yourself or more about other people? than your previous work because there's a lot of kind of you and yeah. he throughout kind of referencing people which was quite interesting to me I think it is quite a me album <laughs> I think that I would love to write something that was much more of the folk tradition where I was you know pr processing things around me and talking about other characters and other people and or just imagine characters but this was a very confessional inner thought kind of just processing a lot of my own stuff my own experiences uh it, it's very it's very me and you can kind of take it or leave it with that but if someone listens to it and goes well I see myself in that too then then that's great you said to that the song Tropic always brings you a bit of comfort why is that what is it about that song that kind of gives you that feeling I think it's the the chords the the chord progressions just really gentle and lilting uh I remember when I wrote it I'd been to a festival the day before I just remember being so inspired that day 
So when I wrote this song the next day, it just... This was one of those songs where I think this one actually came out nearly exactly how I wanted to write it. Uh, this was really quick, this one. Um, it's the chords and it's the way the band play on it. It's It, it just feels weirdly 90s and, and the, I love the roads on it and... Um, some of the songs, if you don't get them right from the beginning, then you've no hope. I think Tropic, for some reason, just felt really uh, comforting and warm and just how I wanted it right from the beginning. So it almost didn't matter what we layered on it. Uh, at the beginning, it felt right. Why is that? Why is it that from some songs you kind of need to get them pinned down in that initial burst? Because it's almost like getting what's in my head out onto the arrangement. It's almost like... I sometimes feel like if I was a writer, I'd be someone who had lots of ideas, but maybe would be really bad at writing it down and implementing it. Almost sometimes what I'm trying to capture and what I hear, I maybe am not as great at playing it or or getting it out there. And it's sometimes a struggle. Um, but sometimes when I know I've captured it just right, I'm like, that's great. Or ultimately, if it's even better than I could have imagined, I'm like, did not even think it could be that good. Then that's when I know it's like how I want it. Yeah. when you're in a period of of heavy writing and heavy creativity do the ideas feel quite related or are they often quite scattershot so do you mean in terms of um lyrical theme or chords or harmony or kind of both just the way that if you're you know say over a month you're writing quite a lot how closely do those ideas feel like they could take place in the same space or are they often quite disparate hmm both um some of the songs they, you'll hear they're kind of in the same key like I'm maybe playing the same position because you know maybe subconsciously I'm recreating it but putting my own spin on my own song which sounds weird but and then other times almost like you're covering your own idea yeah yeah and I don't think there's any shame in that but if if you get something you're happy with and, and doesn't overtly sound like a copy of it if you get away with it and you maybe don't even notice for months um but then other stuff um, not at all other stuff it just existed in that moment and I didn't really think it was recreating other things I've written um, I remember writing a lot of them on coffee I, I don't like coffee I hate it it makes me jittery and I used to use it when I was at the post office to try and get through a Saturday morning uh, to try and get to like 12 when the post stopped but um, I went through a phase of just being in the flat, this was before the pandemic, of just uh, having some coffee and then I'd get like half an hour of like, whoa, everything's amazing, ah, <laughs> oh, ideas, ideas. And even if they're terrible, like I, I got them down. So that worked well. I don't I think I could do that now. I think that would be a bad idea. What's your coffee intake at these days? Zero. Zero, you can forget. Yeah, not doing tea? it. Tea? Uh, even, it's so, I'm such an old lady, but even with tea, it's mainly decaffeinated now. <laughs> just I just can't handle it. Just just doesn't doesn't work for me but really what about yourself do you i'm much coffee yeah i'm not as bad as i used to be i mean during the pandemic i did go through a phase of being on like 10 cups a day <laughs> how now, how did your body function i was just drinking coffee all the time like i would finish one cup and then go make another were you not constantly in the bathroom <laughs> uh no just don't break the seal okay. <laughs> <laughs> but nah um now i'm down like three cups a day maybe Maybe a little more. And I've got decaf. Feel... Decaf's a good substitute. It's like drinking coffee late at night, but you, you can't have drink caffeinated at that time. So you don't feel jittery on caffeinated? Oh, no, I do. 
You do. <laughs> you just love it. Uh, I mean, I'm jittery anyway, so <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> just really lean into it. <laughs> My mum uh, used to drink a lot of coffee. I don't think she does as much anymore. But um, yeah, I don't think I inherited that. I just, uh, it's almost like it's it's too much. It's like being, because I know it's a drug, right? But it's almost what I imagine being cocaine is like of that. Well, wow, everyone's incredible. Oh, I'm going to write an opera. I'm going to write an opera. And then, <laughs> and then like a few hours later, my stomach feels weird and I'm crashing and I'm irritable. And I'm like, why, why have I done this to myself? <laughs> I put myself through this. Can it, are you quite conscious of that? Like, because I was thinking about this the other day in terms of, you know, what you intake, whether it be food or drink and how that kind of relates to your mindset and your mental health and your creativity. Yeah, this year, yeah. Uh, not as much before, but um, this year I've had to I've had to work hard to take better care of myself, which is, uh, it's been an adjustment, but I just needed to do it. It was just really important. Did the insomnia trigger that when you kind of realise how important something like sleep is? Yeah, that and other that and other mental health issues. Um, but I've always had what feels like, like like sort of bad anxiety, and uh, I had it for so long that it felt like just part of my personality. So I'd not really pay as much attention to it as I should have. Whereas again, now slightly older, it's like I can kind of moderate what makes me more anxious or what puts me in a worse place um work I, I can at least try and moderate it um like I don't know about you but like obviously having a drink whatever is great but I used to drink so much more like everyone did at uni though I think everyone just went yeah that's what uni's for yeah it's to get really drunk all the time um and uh I don't know yeah I'm I'm just trying to take active steps and taking more care of myself it's so boring it's so boring to sit and talk about it it's you find it makes a difference roll. though yeah it does especially if I get really bad it's almost like you have to take militant steps to to look after yourself um otherwise like it can be quite high and low like you you know if you do drink way too much or if I drink too way too much um coming back from that can just just take way longer than it should uh so yeah just trying to just just trying to get enough sleep is such a priority at the moment and you know, I would kind of wish this has happened later in life. I wish I'd gotten to 50 and gone, oh, should I be able to take care of myself now? <laughs> but it's happened earlier than it's I thought. It's probably better to start earlier, though, in the long run, <laughs> you know what I think? Maybe, but I'm also jealous of folk that can do, like, three nights in a row drinking and then kind of be all right after it. Like, that looks quite fun. Yeah, I don't get hungover. You don't get hungover? No. You bastard. <laughs> but I think the older you get, the more you realise that's maybe not the gift you thought it was because you can kind of just drink as much as you want with no real repercussions which isn't <laughs> especially when I started working in a bar I've kind of realized that maybe isn't the do you see a lot of stuff in there working in a bar yeah you see a lot of funny stuff yeah like what just when people are drunk it definitely makes you think more about when you're on a night out not getting too away with it because when you see someone who's more drunk than everyone else it's not pray <laughs> they're not on the same plane anymore i imagine it'd be good if you were a songwriter though because there's so many characters and stuff that that come up to you it'd be quite i don't know if it'd be inspiring or not maybe i'll just um go solo to bars and sit in a corner with like a, a cigar notebook. and a notebook just like <laughs> just surveying you know did you ever find that when you were like working at the post office or anything was it in inspiring in any way did it give you space to think or nah 
maybe not. maybe someone who's more curious and less neurotic maybe but uh, I just remember a lot of older folk complaining about stamps and complaining about this price of stamp going up by like 2p and being like um it's two pets no it's not <laughs> it's not that bad um send an email yeah <laughs> so I don't, don't even have to pay for stamps. you old guy <laughs> no I mean it's I, yeah maybe in some ways um in some ways I was inspired to sort of be more creative actually if I was doing a retail thing all day long I'd want to go do a gig or I'd want to go write something yeah. um I think the way you're talking about it though is quite cool I think I would like to be more curious and to kind of watch the people around me and you know do you know like Andy Schauf like yeah, yeah, yeah. well he his last album pretty much all took place in that bar didn't it yeah I think it did um was that the neon neon skyline neon skyline um and then the other one the party concept album is just such a great way of writing about people and um it was just so vivid like the way you described everything that was really cool I'd love, love to challenge myself and, and write in a much less self-absorbed way and, and actually um write more about characters and story that'd be cool you kind of do the same thing though but in an internal way like on songs like valley like they're very directly kind of writing down particular feelings of a memory yeah I think so and and I try not to sometimes I can be really literal and I don't hold myself back from doing that on the album when I want to say something really directly I, I just do it but then other times it is a bit more cloaked in imagery and what I'm trying to evoke of my surroundings you know um, I think there's a lot of nature stuff on there there's a lot of uh, you know natural surroundings and water and just and then there's also a lot of like night van is just from the perspective of being in a van at four in the morning just feeling like you're going insane you know i wanted to ask about that one because it doesn't <laughs> it's spoken word but it doesn't feel like a song that you would normally write that you just kind of transcribe to spoken word like it's more not complex but the, the sentences feel elongated perhaps and the rhythm of it is more like a walking pace there's no real melody to it it kind of just unfolds how did that one come together in comparison to the way that you would normally write a song? I wrote that passage of words, like I wrote that all in one go. It's funny, talking about how some of the songs talk, took forever and others didn't, maybe it was like 50-50, maybe some of them actually did come out um, all at once and then other ones were just much more painstaking. But for Night Van, I just wrote it all down there. It just all came out like a, like a poem, but just, just came out exactly how it was. And I just knew that if I kept that exactly how it was, it would help me remember how it felt in that moment. Um, so I didn't want to edit it too much. The production is so much down to Chris, um, what he achieved. Um, I, I had a little organ thing on the shitty keyboard that I'd done. So I had the chord progression. But then everything you hear, like, you know, he did chimes and he did guitar loops and he took my voice and like layered it all these different ways. And um, the way he panned it as well was really creative, just kind of yeah again it's almost like I'll have the idea and I'll have the song there but Chris will just really lift it into something that's like yeah just really interesting and unusual and he's also not he, he didn't go like we're gonna make this sound like this thing over here like he just he just started getting inspired you know for Night Van so um yeah I'm, I'm pleased that I did something I wouldn't normally do I, I've never done spoken word or poetry or anything like that really before so it's nice that I made it on the album at what point making this record did you get the the greatest sense of joy? 
uh i had i had a few different moments of joy uh the strings day was great uh, we were all tired at that point so to hear beautiful strings coming out of the speakers was like this is great it's just <laughs> what we need right now that was lovely um the night me and chris sat and listened through each song even if there was a one we did a little bit in march but in november when we sat and listened to it and it was like you know 80 90 percent done it was sitting there like wow okay we I feel so relieved. Joy is maybe not the word. I felt joy when it was mixed and mastered, it was all done. It's maybe not healthy. But I felt joy when it was finished, <laughs> closure. But I felt like relief and I felt emotional when we sat and listened through it in the order that I'd imagined. Um, that was a really cathartic moment. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.